Hello, I'm Kenzie Fell, producer and co-host of McGowan Braybenders podcast channel, Side Effects. Today, we are continuing our podcast series with HR technology guru, Kelly Zimmerman from Benefit Technology Resources. I highly recommend listening to our previous Side Effects episode, where Anne-Marie, Kelly, and I discuss and review the basic building blocks of what HR technology is. Now, during this second episode, we talk about, okay, we've made the decision, now what? We'll dive into the actual implementation of an HR technology solution and cover who should be involved in this decision, roles and responsibilities, and how you know if you're implementing the technology the right way. Let's get to the logistics, and without further delay, let's welcome Kelly Zimmerman back to the show. Welcome to Side Effects with an A. When effect is normally used, it's a noun. It's already occurred. Effect is a verb meaning action. Action influences outcome. I'm Scott McGowan. I'm Kenzie Fell. And I'm Anne Marie Singleton. Now, I think even for our listeners, too, I think what's important is um, we might be right, we might be wrong. But one thing is, is we're not afraid. Our goal is to get you to think about things a little differently. And we're unscripted. We just have free reign for 20 minutes. Welcome to Side Effects with an A. Hello and welcome back to Side Effects and Kelly, welcome back to episode number two of three about HR technology. Thank you so much for having me again. Yes, so last week we talked about vetting um, HR technology vendors and selecting your carrier and really got the, the basics and the nitty gritty of what people need to know about HR technology. So Anne-Marie, welcome to the show. If you want to jump in right now and kind of start us off on what this podcast is going to be about, go right ahead. Sounds great. Hi, Kenzie, and welcome, Kelly. Thanks for being with us again for another episode of Side Effects. We love HR technology and um, we love BTR. So <laughs> as a reminder, uh, BTR is our HR technology partner at McGowan Braybender. And um, Kelly, can you remind us of some of the services you offer to our clients? Absolutely. So as a business partner and client partner with McGowan Braybender, we are your technology expertise we can discuss technology around HR with your clients. That could be evaluating their current state of technology, their spend, their utilization, or it could help them with their technology strategy going forward, making some changes and being very thoughtful about it. So that's how we help McGowan Braybender and their clients. Yeah, thank you. And, and you really have helped many of our clients, so we appreciate that so much. Um, so as Kenzie mentioned, last week we talked about what it looks like to vet and maybe select a technology partner, arrive at a decision, and this week we're going to talk about the dreaded implementation process. So mm -hmm. uh, for, for some people, they might get really excited about that, and I think your team probably does. For me, that just makes me want to take a long winter's nap. So um, talk to me <laughs> about how that implementation process begins. Honestly, it probably begins before a client thinks it should begin. Most clients think, oh, we're going to go identify a new vendor, and then we're going to move into implementation. We would suggest that a client is preparing for implementation as they are developing their technology strategy. The biggest thing they need to be working on is data cleanup. 
as they're transitioning to new technology and new platform, they're going to want to move their current information over to that new vendor and getting that cleaned up, looking at naming logic, making sure all of the information is the way they want it to transition. Uh, I will always remember Zig Ziglar, garbage in, garbage out. So really preparing for that data transition is going to be the number one step. So they need to be start talk, thinking about it, talking about it internally as they're evaluating technology and as they're working in starting that implementation kickoff. Yeah, so a way to think about that is it's not an event, right? It's a process. Um, it's not like it Perfect. just turns on and turns off. You, you've got to really work through that. So that's great advice. Um, and I think that that's a big mistake that many people make in this process. It becomes a disappointment or a source of frustration. So good advice. Kelly, I have, a, I was just thinking for our, in the marketing standpoint, we had some transition of data as well. And it was so tedious and it was hard. And I was like, wow, this data cleanup is not very fun, but it has to be done. And then once it's done, it, it makes a world of difference. So that is a huge piece of advice that I think is really important. Um, so I do have a question. Is the data that people have to clean up, is it coming from different systems, multiple places, the same place? What do you guys normally find? It really is going to depend on where the client's coming from. If they are coming from a paper-based activity, they're going to have a lot of files to go through and pull in. They may have their financial system to come in. Or if they are from a variety of vendors, maybe they have their core HCM with payroll and timekeeping and HR, but maybe they have their onboarding and recruitment in another solution, performance management in another. Uh, so all of this is going to come together. And as we know, all of these systems are could be set up differently. So does the address require city and state in zip code to be different? Does it require a nine digit zip code? Uh, is your phone numbers going to include area codes? Uh, is your date going to be a four or a two digit year? You know, all of these things need to be consistent across all the data points as you're pulling this in and having that clean makes your implementation experience so much better because then you're only having to really focus on how you want to set up that new system to perform as you expect it. So I have a silly question. <laughs> if you guys are helping get all of these different systems to, do you go to one system? Are you guys normally recommending one software or solution? This is very client specific. It's really going to come into what does the client need for their future technology? If they really need that holistic approach with a single solution to have all of the capabilities, then we want to walk through and see what functionality is a priority. Because we know not all systems can do all things at the same level. Some things will have a better bin admin. Others will have a better onboarding solution. So we work with prioritization and with the client to ensure that they get the right technology. But that may require stacking of two or three different platforms to get that world-class best fit option for them. 
Yeah, right. it's it's um it's a good question, Kenzie. And um, I mean, obviously Kelly sees it much more than we do, but we do see it with our clients. And most of our clients have multiple systems doing different things. And the most asked question that I think I get is how do I get these systems to talk to one another? How mm -hmm. do I get a single record where everything is feeding from say my payroll system so I don't have to re-enter my employee data into three, four, seven, nine systems, um, which is not unusual to see a company running that many different platforms across all their HR technology. So that's where BTR really can come in and help those systems talk to one another and, and clean that process up. At least that's the, some of the projects you've helped us with, Kelly. Absolutely. And we know there are some platforms that play in the sandbox very, very well. They <laughs> have open architecture that allow very good integration. And then you may have other systems that are very closed that do not allow that integration. What the client needs to do is really identify their core solution that will be their system of record. That tends to be the payroll HR record. That's your single database. Then you're going to layer in your additional functionality, whether it's within the same vendor or additional vendors. And so that's where you're going to get your level of robust functionality throughout a evaluation process. Yeah, thanks for clarifying that. It would be nice to have a one-stop shop, but it almost feels like that's, that's impossible because you need to have every single one being the best it can be, right? It really depends on the client's priorities and requirements. Mm -hmm. They may say, I need a strong benefits administration and recruitment onboarding can be maybe not as robust. And then they're gonna get that single platform. But if they're looking for some very high functioning technology, it is rare unless you get into some very high-end, high-dollar solutions, and we can throw names out like Workday that can customize their platform and do everything a client wants at the level that they want it. But there's always a price tag for that high-end functionality. So mm -hmm. this is where BTR really works with our clients to balance functionality needs, financial budget, and get the best fit. So kind of the next step here, once you are working with a client, they identify the budget, the scope of services they need. Who, who are the people that need to be involved in this decision? I know we kind of hit on this last podcast, but can you remind us again, the decision makers that are a part of this? So honestly, decisions are made, but what you're going to, a client wants to do now is identify their core team for implementation and recognize that that core team is going to pull in the appropriate parties for each functionality. For example, your payroll processor may only care about getting payroll processed, but what they may not know is the impact of onboarding or benefits administration to them processing payroll. So all of your practitioners and administrators should be included in the process but throughout the process and in preparing for this implementation, they need to be thinking globally. 
how does each job, each task, each workflow impact other aspects of the business and make sure that you're bringing them in to consider that piece of the technology. So every process, every policy, every area, for example, timekeeping and an attendance policy, you may want your production supervisors that have to manage those employees with that attendance policy and have the system being able to automate that. Well, that's mm -hmm. when you're going to bring in those supervisors to talk through their impact. Then your core team will work with your vendor to implement the workflow and get it acting appropriately. And Kelly, okay. I think, again, I, I'm going to keep saying this because, of course, you think we think you're fabulous, but I can't emphasize enough <laughs> what your point was that you just made that the practitioners, the people who are doing the work day in and day out, the work in your current system, or perhaps manual processes that are now going to be automated. And when we forget about, you know, Karen or Betty or Tom in a particular position, or we don't ask their opinion, or someone didn't know that they did those 15 steps to produce this one report that the CEO always wants on the 15th of the month. Like those are the things that get missed when implementing a new system. And so understanding that and talking to each person becomes really important in order for this to be seamless. And it's usually not seamless, but as I guess I'll call it um, smooth as possible, right? Exactly. We often coach our clients to think about how they can utilize a platform while they're going through the vetting process, but I also encourage them to think about their day-to-day -day jobs. Not only today, but what do they do at the end of the month? What do they do at the end of the quarter? What did they do at the end of the year? Because there are some things that you only have to do once a year. So I really ask them to step back, look at their calendars, look at their file folders, look at their sticky notes, and try to identify all of those actions that maybe they're not thinking about today, but that could impact how they use that technology and could impact the accuracy of implementation. So Kelly, what is the importance of the vendor picking process? How exactly do you choose when um, you have a client, do they interview people? Do you guys um, give them options? Are you a part of the interview process? Can you kind of explain how that works? So through the vetting process, our first step is really getting them introduced to the vendors and the capabilities. But we suggest during that finalist round, this is when they're going to do a deep dive. And the client should have activities that are specific to them to have part of that demo experience. Have the vendors show them how to run a report, to set up a workflow, to process a payroll, to complete or approve a timesheet, to set up an open enrollment benefit event in the system so that they can even play in it or they can drive it, but they can see how the platform is responding to their actions, to their organization. Because how a company takes on a task is going to be different from client to client. So they need to do that deep dive. And BCR provides a lot of resources with agendas and suggestions. We are walking them through this journey hand in hand, using our experience. 
through being an HR professional, but also helping the, such a variety of clients and really asking them, well, how do you do this? And how do you do that? Well, let's see how the technology can, do, can perform and make everything as automated as possible. And I can't stress the importance enough of the guidance that uh, BTR provides through that process and asking, you know, what do your users think about this system? Can you play in this test environment? What does your administrators think about this system? Um, and again, I'll just speak that, you know, Kelly's team and crew has been helping us with some selection of technology um, last year with our payroll, um, specifically at McGill and Brave this year with a learning management system. And um, the system that I thought we were going to pick because I really like the, the look and the feel of it for the user is not the system that we're going to end up with because it was nearly impossible for our back office to administer. So mm -hmm. really important to try to understand those things and to get, um, get all, all constituents, all parties involved in that process and, and using those, those test environments. So um, we've gotten this far, you know, you've talked about some of the things to look at, some of the things to study. Everyone needs to be involved. It's a marathon, not a sprint. When we talk about implementation, <laughs> where do most of the issues occur along the way? So I think there are two major impacts to challenges during implementation. The first one's going to be communications, ensuring that all parties are communicating back and forth, but also asking all the right questions, responding quickly. And then that leads into the second area is make sure as a client, as you're going through implementation, understanding what are your responsibilities as a user of the system versus what is the vendor's responsibility as offering this technology. And I'll use an example uh, that's pretty basic, tax administration. We love Ohio's tax administration because you have probably the most jurisdictions in the U.S. That's true. Therefore, when you have clients that have employees that move around uh, in the Cincinnati area, you're going to have Indiana employees, you're going to have Ohio, you're going to have Kentucky. And as you're hiring these people, you may have different tax jurisdictions pop up. So who's responsible for filing with that appropriate tax jurisdiction and setting up that account? Well, some vendors require the client to own that, that action. Some vendors will do it on their behalf. So just knowing and asking all the right questions, who's responsible for what throughout the implementation can be critical as they're understanding their utilization of that technology. Yeah, especially in the situation you just described, because I don't think they can transfer that fiduciary responsibility for having to owe it just because someone else was administering it for them. So super important. Correct. On, especially on that payroll side. So um, I could keep talking about this. I must have a I'm getting a, an affinity for it, I think. So this is a long process or can take a long time. How long does it actually take? Because I think that sometimes, um, oftentimes, our clients uh, underestimate the amount of time that it might take, especially those in leadership, for implementing, you know, it's September, let's install our new Ben Admin and have it up and running for 11-1. So um, how's that make you feel, Kelly? 
We hate a rushed experience. It's just never <laughs> Tell good. Tell how you really feel. That's an excellent way to say it. <laughs> and, you know, we want this to be a positive experience. We want them to embrace this new technology. We all know that in human nature, we don't like change. So if you make the change process hard and difficult, then they're not going to embrace the change. So I would say implementation timelines, again, always relates to the client and the functionality and the vendor. The shortest I've seen are vendors that are really out of the box, very bare functionality, payroll, HR timekeeping. They can be up and running in as little as four to eight weeks. But for those strong platforms, for those clients less than a thousand, they can be up and running usually in that three to four month period. Those implementations can be staggered. Maybe they go live initially with payroll timekeeping and HR, and then they bring in Ben Admin after they go live. I would say out there for those very large groups, thousand and a plus, those very Customizable platforms can take up to a year. If you're looking at a financial component add to it, it can take 18 months. Uh, in the space that BTR works with, we're right in that four, six month range, really depending on all parameters considered. Uh, I've never been engaged with an implementation that took longer than seven months. Yeah, that, that seems reasonable for, for mid-market, but seven months is definitely different than, you know, than a few weeks, which I think, mm -hmm. again, that people are thinking technology, this is easy, this is seamless, we'll just transfer our information over, why is it going to take this long? And so I really like that um, setting the stage, and you guys do a great job on the pre-call that we have before we even start the process with folks setting those expectations so that they go in with an attitude that's very open and we can really win through this project and bring them what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We would say implementation does not have an easy button. <laughs> so I always like to ask Kelly um, like success stories and feel good things to end off on, but what are some cool features about HR technology that will get these HR people excited? What are some of your favorites? So something that's come out in the last year or so that we're seeing gain a lot of popularity is daily pay. So this is where employees could have access to their wages on a daily basis as they earn them. So there are third-party wow. vendors that offer that, that will integrate with vendors. There are a couple of vendors that are progressive enough to have it built in system. So daily pay is the biggest thing that we're seeing. Something that is a little sci-fi for HR technology, because <laughs> HR technology doesn't grow nearly as fast as our world today, but we're seeing artificial intelligence, voice response, technology hitting HR. So cook, hooking up to Alexa and yeah. asking Alexa, how much vacation do I have? Can you submit a PTO for this date? And so now Alexa is handling all those tactical items on behalf of the employees. So this is the exciting pieces. Uh, we've seen a little bit in the past. We're seeing some very progressive and it's interesting to watch to see how the other vendors are adopting it within their technology. 
Kelly, that daily pay, uh, that, that blew my mind. I'm looking at Kenzie. Yeah. We're looking at each other on, <laughs> online because we're still working all from, from home. But um, are you seeing that used in like a traditional environment or is that more for employers that like this whole gig economy, which is a separate podcast, that's not for today, but these people that work multiple jobs, you know, they're self-employed, but they work for multiple types of employers. Is that, um, do you know how it's being applied? I mean, I'm, I'm just curious. It's really broadening out. So we've seen it adopted from those large employers, such as like a Walmart. It's very gotcha. popular in those arenas where it, people tend to live paycheck to paycheck. Gotcha. So lots Retail, of manufacturing, yeah. you know, um, I see it being very popular as people start coming back to work, but they're still going to be financially challenged uh, due to unemployment and this world that we're living in today. So we see it getting more and more popular with vendors uh, and with employers. So um, that's where we're going to see some growth. And I know Walmart has it in place now. And it's really to take the place of those check cashing, immediate access, financial situations, and make it a stronger financial health of the employee. So the employer for the longest time has been focused on payroll health of the employee. And then we saw a trend of the health of the employee from a, a benefits and mental health and physical health. Well, now we're seeing things move into the financial health because we recognize how it can impact stress. So the employer truly is looking for tools that will meet all of these different health initiatives, whether it be physical, mental, financial, all, all of it. Right. Makes sense. So Kelly, that one, the daily pay sounds amazing, but it sounds dangerous for me. So I'm kind of glad we don't offer that. I'm a going brain venture. <laughs> <laughs> but just thinking in the future, like you were mentioning a little sci-fi for HR tech, um, what, where is the future of this going? Are there any major disruptors right now in this field that you guys are looking at? Well, three months ago, I wouldn't thought COVID was a disruptor, mm. but I think the unknown can disrupt HR technology, whether it be the upcoming elections, how are those going to impact our world and the need for technology? Uh, how are we going to continue to address COVID as we release our states? and come back to work, go back to shopping, go back to eating out, and is there going to be another health initiative? Um, I think it's unknown. We could not have predicted COVID. I don't think we can ever predict what's gonna happen, and those are always gonna disrupt technology. And then what I see from the other side of it, the unknowns, are the tech enabled of our population how many people require technology. And it used to be said, oh, you know, they are tech savvy. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that we're tech savvy, <laughs> but we are tech enabled. We can't live our day-to-day -day lives without the level of technology that we have through our televisions, through our phones, through our entertainment, through our communications and engagement with people. Um, this podcast when I today. was, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Um, socialization. 
So I just think that HR technology is going to continue to be pushed by non-HR-related technology, the shopping experiences of Amazon, the social engagement of Facebook. All of that is leading where HR technology needs to be. And HR technology just tends to be responsive to our environment and to our population and then what our clients are asking for. Yeah, and I think, I mean, HR technology, as you said, is always kind of on the lagging side and it was just sort of there to, to function and be that workhorse. But you, as you described today, there are some things that can be very exciting about HR technology with the AI and the daily pay. So um, if you could think, what's something you can think of that would have been a, a project you were involved with that would have been life-changing for an HR team? Like what's a success story that you can share um, for our listeners? Well, I would like to say every completed project is a success story for our clients. And it just really depends on the client itself. We just communicated internally that a client that normally would have a 12-week implementation timeline was able to have a successful deployment in eight weeks. That was because of a very strong implementation team and then a very strong client team that were very responsive, very proactive in making it happen. And they were able to shave off those four weeks and have a successful deployment. It could be as much as going through an evaluation uh, of their technology and having a client that literally has a half a million dollar spend, but through e engaging with BTR, they're able to identify and be put into a position of negotiation to shave off anywhere from a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars in that annual spend. That's so, a success. That's huge. So I would say every one of our projects can be a success. It doesn't always have to be new technology. It just has to be able to strategize and approach the client's needs and creating that, that long-term technology initiative. Yeah, well, we appreciate that very much. And we, we feel that from you and your team that you think every, every, every uh, resolution is a success and our clients feel that too. So thank you. You're so welcome. So Kelly, I guess that is wrapping up our conversation for our second of three podcasts about HR technology. Thank you so much. You're blowing our minds with all this information. Um, and so stay tuned for our next podcast. It will be about um, what, talking about employers that currently have HR technology in place and if it's not working correctly. So we'll be getting into that topic next time. And if you have any questions or comments about this episode of Side Effects, you can email me at Kenzie at HealthierBirthdays.com. Or you can email me, Anne-Marie, at Anne at HealthierBirthdays.com, or my dog that's barking in the background in agreement <laughs> that we think Kelly is fantastic. So thank you again for joining us, Kelly. Um, you can check out our website for Kelly's contact information, and we'll see you next time on Side Effects.